Hey, everybody. This is Shelly. We're back from the July break. And I'm here with the first timer, Lester Crafton. Lester, say hello. Hello. And I'm going to suggest that you speak up because I know you have a booming voice. Yeah, so we're back. Uh, I went to some music festivals and was laking a lot. And so I just, I was still reading like a maniac. And of course I was still smoking weed, but I just took the month off from recording. So in between that, I happened to reconnect with Lester Crafton and our background is intertwined with so many things about the cannabis industry, because a lot of people, at least in cannabis right now used to sell books door to door <laughs> one of them troy dayton runs the uh or used to run the arc view group i think he founded the arc view group and if you're in the business you probably know troy you probably know mark bassarini who ran uh Om of medicine and now works for mission cannabis and jim salame works there and Ilya gavos dinovich has been in the industry before and uh so on and so on and me for a long time and it's a strange little crew people in the industry can't believe that all these people running cannabis businesses used to sell books door to door so that was a long time ago it was a college job however when you meet someone else who sold as long as you have if not longer then it's it's exciting it's weird <laughs> it's it's dark it's twisted, but I was getting in touch with Lester randomly on LinkedIn about a different business question. And we started chatting and I just thought it would be so fun to have him on the show. So um, he suggested Shell Silverstein. And I truly cannot believe we haven't done anything from Shell Silverstein yet. I, I could, I was like, surely we've done one. We've done 80 something shows. Surely we've done Shell Silverstein and I can't believe we haven't. So I'm very, very excited. And it got me looking up all these things about Shel Silverstein that I didn't know before. So first things first, Lester, yeah. tell me why you recommended these poems by Shel Silverstein. Yeah. And also, thank you for doing the show. Oh, uh, well, because you said we read books. And first of all, you're welcome. You said we were reading books on the show and I didn't want to read that long of a book. So I thought, what's a really good short book? And I thought about this book that I used to use to train people, basically, because, you know, part of the whole selling books thing is a rejection, right? And through rejection comes, you know, when they say that you, when you can't move forward, but you refuse to go back, that's when you grow. So these forces that kind of, even if it smashes you and causes you to grow, you know, you still grow. I thought this book was really good self-development book in disguise. And Shell was a big stoner. Like, he yes. has this whole collection and you could talk about this but there's like this whole hidden works of shell silver seed everybody knows like where what what are some of the things everybody knows like where the sidewalk giving tree the giving give tree where the sidewalk ends and he's funny he's quirky and he's minimalistic and i didn't know he wrote country music he wrote country I didn't music either. you he didn't know no <laughs> He wrote A Boy Named Sue. I had no idea. He wrote Joe A Boy Sergeant. Named Sue, He, um, which, you know, was made famous by Johnny Cash, but he did. Yeah. So I, when I was looking up all these things on Shel Silverstein, and if you somehow have gotten this far in life and, and you haven't heard of Shel Silverstein, American 
Jewish poet, writer, songwriter, born in 1930, died in 1999. Whimsical. He wrote country music and children's books and stoner poems. Like what? That's great. I love him. I already loved him, you know? But shit, that's amazing. Yeah, he won a Grammy for A Boy Named Sue. And he wrote a lot of stuff for, he wrote songs for Dr. Hook. The two poems that you suggested, one was The Smoke Off, and one was The uh, Missing Piece Meets the Big O. I think we'll start with that. It's pretty short. I don't know if we need to read it all the way through. I think I'm just going to post it. I'm going to post a link because really, it's really simple. Um, Would you like to sum it up? I can sum it up, but would you like to sum it up? Would you like for me to, or would you prefer? I would love for you to please sum up The Missing Piece and The Big O by Shel Silverstein. I imagine most people at this point in their life, if they're watching some stoner show, have done either well enough in life to kind of realize it's all a big sham and or you know you realized it very early and so the summary of the book would go like this we all go around all the time looking for the thing that's going to complete us in this case it's just you know a missing o or a missing piece and a big o and we think man if i could just have this one thing then i would be okay then i would be enough then i could roll you know, then I could, I could be about my way. If only I had this, and we've all had the experience that once we had that, we're like, eh, you know, and we kind of outgrow it. And in the end, what it's really about is being willing to pick yourself up, bump around, <laughs> smooth out your rough edges, smooth out the edges and, and just keep rolling by yourself. You don't have any missing pieces. You're just mouse form because you haven't rolled through enough bumps yet yeah yeah and it's literally a little triangle is the protagonist (laughs) of this story laying their triangle thing and he's trying to fit into these other shapes and this one's too small and this one's too big and he's alone for a while and then this one doesn't know what it's doing and it's just him introducing it's almost a love story right he's trying to find this this little wedge is trying to find something that not only will they match with but can roll some they'd match with but they couldn't roll some rolled you know so it was just very very simple and then this is really sweet and heartbreaking so the little triangle comes upon a little, you know, Pac-Man looking circle thing and they fit together and they fit together exactly. And it's great. But then the little wedge starts to grow. And so they don't fit together anymore. And there's this little scene where the circle, the big circle part said, I didn't know you were going to grow. Oh, I didn't and the little know. wedge said, I didn't either. everybody knows what that feels like oh it was heartbreaking but then meets the big o and the big o shows shows the little triangle that it doesn't need it's not a missing piece it's adorable it's adorable allegory i love it any other thoughts on uh on the big o I mean, the big O obviously was a missing piece the whole time. 
and became a big O. I mean, maybe the big O was born with it. Maybe the big O was just the big O, but given how well that missing piece became a little low, I imagine he was just a bigger missing piece. Probably went through worse crap than that little missing piece, given how big it was, you know, trying yeah. to find somebody that could fit, you know, trying to find somebody to roll with. It's probably harder for the big O probably had a rougher <laughs> time on it than the missing piece, which is probably why he was it or it or she or what Zare was able to roll and teach the missing piece. They'd already done it. Yeah, it's precious. The reason why I think it probably became so popular that I read this little blurb where his either his editor or publisher at the time was like, we're waiting for this piece. Are you we need you to get this piece to us. And he was like, it's almost perfect, you know, and she was really hoping it was. And it's such a there's if you look it up, if you're listening right now and you go look it up, you'll see there's all these little simple cartoon versions of this story. It's it's all it looks like it's too simple, but it's not. It's totally sweet and profound. So that's our first look at Shel Silverstein, who I wish I knew. It would have been super cool to chill with for sure. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We would have hung out for sure. Okay. So Lester, tell, tell people, um, about this weird door-to-door book selling thing we used to do. So I sold books door-to-door nine summers and you did it longer than me, right? Where did you live when you sold books? Tell, tell us one little book story while I'm looking this up. You know what I found, I was down with some real fancy people in Mexico about a couple, about a year before COVID, whatever that was, they run big foundations, solve big problems, allegedly. <laughs> and I was trying to explain my formative experience, which was this selling books door to door and teaching people how to do it. Uh-huh. And so I just told them the first story. I think that if you just be, start at the very beginning and realize that that's just the beginning and it got way wilder after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the first story is I was 18 years old. I went to some place I'd never been to do something I'd never done with no guaranteed pay, a week's worth of training and a bag full of books. I got dropped off in the town without a place to live along with a roommate and knocked on doors to find someone uh, to allow us to stay with them, which we called host, host families. And after yep. whole day, like ups and downs and thinking I'd almost, I still remember what we said. You knock on the door and say, hey. It's going to sound kind of crazy, but my name is Lester, and I'm actually a college student from someplace way the heck away from here because we did this in another place, another state. My first time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, it's like, you know, my roommate and I are going to be here working all summer, like 80 hours a week, showing some families. This is day one. (laughs) Right. Monday through Saturday. We're just looking for a place to stay. You know, do you have to know somebody's got a spare room or apartment? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to be homeless. And then, all of a sudden, I met Emerson Jenkins, and he pointed me out back to Wilma. Wilma had giant biceps, the most beautiful backyard I'd ever seen. And there wasn't a bit of salesman in me at all when I said, this um, backyard is the most beautiful thing I've seen. She worked in it so hard. And I told her what was up, you know, just see if she knew anybody who could help. And she said, well, would this be okay? And she took me downstairs, and there was like a key-sized waterbed. About we, I only wore like two pairs of underwear all summer because she washed it for us every day. Oh and my then, god! Right, and then she said that's an exaggeration, but she didn't 
wash our clothes every day. And we didn't even have an alarm clock my first summer. She would go, boys, it's time to get up. And it was oh just my like, God. door I knocked on. And then when I'm like, wow, people are good. You know, it's like, and so if there's, there's, you can learn. And there are times knocking on doors where you just hate the world because everybody's mean and stupid and doesn't care, won't give you the time of day. But oh, ultimately, yeah. if you didn't keep going to the next door, it would basically mean that you've given up on humanity. You either don't believe that you're capable of creating a net positive experience or adding right. some type of value. And that's soul crushing. But the cool, yeah. So the first story is we knocked on doors to find a place to live. And those fancy people were like, holy shit. Yes. Wild. But there's a whole weird culture of us. That yes. Yes. You know, yes. like it's like this kind of like, were we just really arrogant idiots or were we like, you know, tortured, uh, traumatized people. It seemed like really good crazy. stories. Like when, 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 you know, when they bring a salesman, my first, my first day would be like two weeks before sales school, you know, went to this random interview and Whitney, you remember Whitney Gilbert, Whitney Foray? Yeah. Yeah. Whitney was at college. Whitney went to college at Charleston came to college of Charleston, found me, you know, I was one of those last people you get on your team. Like, Oh shit, we got another one. Really? She's going to leave in two weeks. And I was like, sure, whatever. So I didn't really know. I, I was late to sales school. I was a couple of days late just because like my dad didn't come home from college. He put all of my stuff from college in the back of his truck and didn't want me to go sell books. So he stayed out all night <laughs> and I had to wait for him in the morning. So when I showed up on like Monday afternoon or whatever, strolling into that big, huge building with everybody cheering and Whitney saw me now, I know as because I've been a manager, but she was like, holy shit. Cause you know, she was like, that chick is not showing up. She's so quit before she even started. And then I just come walking in like there's this girl with dark hair. She's my student manager. I think I'm just like walking around this huge auditorium. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Oh my God. Yeah. I've been in the cannabis industry a little bit farming and used to work for an association and things like that. I've worked at dispensaries. I used to run a comedy show at a dispensary here in Ann Arbor and they've sponsored a yearly comedy show that I do at Ann Arbor is sponsored by Mission Home of Medicine in Ann Arbor. So when I meet other people in the industry <laughs> that are just like, what? You sold books too? This is weird, right? This is weird. Because <laughs> There's people are just ever surprised that we're all gathering back up in this industry, <laughs> but I think it makes perfect sense. We all want to help people, which yeah. is funny because now we're talking about books. <laughs> it's what I do. I still you know, talk about of, books all the time. I like sex. You know, everybody always wants to talk about it, but most people usually don't. Well, also, you never know what people are going to like. If you're like, hey, do you want to do this? If they're going to be completely offended by you. So what is it really, what's really worked for me is wait until I hear someone, either I hear about a book that's so exciting and I can think of the exact person that I want to talk to about it, or I see someone, they've heard the show and they say, can we do this? And they're super into it. That's a blast. 
but we have done a lot of um, smoke signals was a good one, just about like the history of cannabis for thousands of years. And we have done poetry episodes. We've had people read their own poetry. We've read full plays. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get back to Shell. Sounds like you've done some cool stuff. All the stuff you were just talking about. All of it sounds neat. It is. It is very neat. That's been my uh, guiding star. You know what I'll tell you that selling books um, did for me was it was that kind of freedom of knowing that you can plop down anywhere and make something happen, you know, figure things out and be resourceful. Because as I've gotten older, like in my 20s, everyone that I knew knew how to do this. It'd be like, oh, you want to travel the world? Give me 10 minutes, right? right. <laughs> it's like, we'll leave. I got to grab a couple things. It's this okay. bravery that's like, I'll try it, I guess. I mean, yeah. we just have to change a tire, find a rhino. Okay. And then learn to sail. Yeah. I think, I think between the four of us. Yeah. And then I moved into different groups and realized like, oh, this is not just a regular skill. Not everybody just believes they can start and run a business in a couple of days <laughs> or just pick up and travel across the country with a paper map. So when it came to the other things that I was going to do next, it's been pretty much like that. That's a weird thing I want to do. And if it doesn't exist yet, I'm going to create it. And um, this was basically, I was at a wedding and I was realizing I wanted to have better conversations, period. Just in life, there's only so much time. Don't leave me in a terrible conversation, like at a business meeting where people are being overly whatever. And I'm just like, I can't do it. I'm, I'm dying. <laughs> I, what did you say? Sorry, I missed it. What's the ROI on QQ's margin? Oh my God, no, I can't. I can't. And I've said this on the show before, I think, but I used to just walk out of all the awards banquets. I would just like, we're an hour in and I'm like, okay, it's going to be a lot more of this. <laughs> I bet there's a stranger at the bar that has failed before or like broke his leg recently. I'm going to go check that person out. <laughs> just check back in in like three hours. We're on award number 72 and then I'll leave again. But you know. Yeah. So I really just wanted to have really good conversations and I wanted a way to put a lot of different activities I was doing under an umbrella. Like I wanted to blog and I wanted to have better conversations and I wanted to read more and smoke more weed, blah, 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 get messages out, etc. So it all kind of fell under that. Yeah. Okay. That felt like a long ramble, but I'm not, I don't think it was too long. What, what else do you want to say about it? Instead of wondering if you talk too much, maybe you haven't shared enough yet. What else? That's probably it. I haven't even told you that I'm smoking blue Skittles Ooh. by a local grower. It's really nice. And I appreciate that person, but I'm not going to out him right now. So just to stamp this in time, it is August 9th. We're recording this. I can't believe it. It's August 9th, 2022. One of the weirdest years ever. And oh, it's the birthday of a guy I used to play a lot of poker with. He would always play eight, nine if he had it as a starting hand and call it the birthday hand. Happy birthday, Denny, wherever you are. Oh, I eight, that's eight, cool. nine. I was like, oh, it's, eight, nine. Oh, yeah. It's eight, nine. It I is. Play cards with the guy that always played eight, nine. Oh, <laughs> it's symbolic. It means something. You should have a talk with the moon after we're done. 
Don't worry about it if you haven't spoken to another. Oh, oh, I know what I was. Uh, what I was trying to do was place us in time in the history of cannabis. There was just primaries in Michigan, close little local races that seem fraught with <laughs> extra tension this time around the world. A basketball star, WNBA star for the Phoenix Mercury, just got sentenced to nine years in prison in Russia because when she went there to play basketball, she had two ounces of uh, cannabis oil for her vape pen. And everybody's reacting to this. And of course, I hate seeing anybody in the world charged with any kind of victimless crime. Like I think it's completely, utterly just a void thing. What, no matter what country you're in, I'm against people being put away for a victimless crime. However, Sure. Yes, of course I want her back. But also there's lots of people in prison in this country for very similar things. So just want to remind everybody to look into Last Prisoner Project and just see, you know, this seems like an isolated incident. Brittany Griner, WNBA star, and maybe she's a political pawn. Maybe she's not. But the truth is our country also puts people in prison for the same thing. And there are people here who have been in US prisons that are from this country who've also been in for nine years. So when you're voting or when you're deciding what to say to other people, what information to share, just remember that. Oh, and I wanted you to talk about Ovanova. So Lester, uh, when I reconnected with Lester Crafton, I was looking for really specific information for this new company I'm working for, and he responded, and I very much appreciate it. But tell us about Ovanova, if you don't mind. Yeah, her seven, seventh birthday is on Friday. Happy birthday! With, yeah, it started with three friends who saw an opportunity to maybe do something really useful for our fellow humans, all saying, let's do it. And we just gave it, we shook each other's hands and promised to never sue each other. We're like, we don't know how it's going to work out, but we know that there's a path. Like, how lucky are we that we see this new way forward to make this thing happen? Yeah, yeah. And so this new thing was we wanted to be able to give people something we would want our moms to have and that we would like be proud of for what we were able to do and having worked with people forever that have gone on to do great things. I was fortunate whenever I left that book selling thing after 19 summers, seven knocking on doors and 12 more leading a lot of people in the, in the, in the process. I just lost my train of thought. The weed's starting to kick in. <laughs> How Ovanova started. Oh yes. And all my partners are from book selling too. Yes. Yes. What was going on is that we just, we knew solar energy was freaking awesome. It just, I didn't even know. Let me share. Let me ask you a question, Shelly. Do you know how elect electricity is made currently, like in general, like coal or natural gas or nuclear? Like, do you know what's going on there? Like um, how a black rock of coal becomes a cold refrigerator? How coal becomes a refrigerator? Yeah, because it's a piece of coal, right? That's where the energy for your refrigerator is coming from. So, what happens in between? I had no, no idea. No idea. Isn't I don't understand what? so many things. I have no idea. It's, it's about five out of a hundred people who can explain this process. And isn't it kind of wild that we use electricity every freaking day, right? And we don't have any idea how it's actually produced, but the way it works, and I just want to share it with you and the listeners, is 
it's steam power. You're using steam to spin this giant thing. It goes like a hardcore tea kettle. And that spinning spins copper through a magnet. And that's called, they've got fancy names like generators and turbines, but you're just spinning copper in a magnet. You got to make steam to do that. So coal, what do you do? Set it on fire. What does it cause? Climate. You know, it, it doesn't cause climate change. It causes a thicker blanket of carbon that traps more heat in and screws up the water cycles and droughts and floods. Some people call that climate change. That's true. Burn that stuff. That's what happens. Like we could argue about it in 40 years, but I'm trying to freaking do something about it now, right? Right. Because, right. It, doesn't, because it doesn't make any sense to set things on fire that we have to dig out of the earth just to heat water to make steam to spin magnets so we can charge our computers and have this conversation like so we could keep our refrigerator cold it's crazy when the alternative is we can just make this piece of technology that eats sunshine and poops lightning you know that's what yeah. the solar module is it's like hey sunshine come on hey electricity get out of here i know what, what it seems it? ridiculous it seems too good to be true so we thought this isn't a business thing like this is like, yeah, we can form it as that so we can make sure we have the capital to really do this. But this isn't a business. This is like with this crazy game we get to play with our humans. Why in the world would everybody not want it if they knew how awesome it was? And if they thought about, hey, I've got a, a never-ending electricity bill that can go up at any time for the rest of my life. Or I could buy something to eliminate that. Hey, yeah. I can worry about my lights going out or I can install some battery storage which we've gotten amazing at. I'm going to toot my own horn. I think that we're the best battery option in the nation right now, like because of I've got work with really smart partners who are really good at reading spec sheets. So Ovanova, what do we do? Uh, like, well, it's our mission is to add as much value as possible to as many lives as possible. And we saw a lot of good things we wanted to do in the world. We knew we didn't have the time to do them. We knew that people were already doing them. We wanted to find a way to support those people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like everybody doing good things, whether it's a softball team or gay men's choir, I'm thinking about real organizations we supported, or mm -hmm. it's like, a, or it's a band from the mountains of North Carolina, or it's a, a robotics team in florida or you know we've worked with so many organizations at this point and what we do is we go in and work with these guys we're like all right look real simple <laughs> do y'all have people who trust you yeah we all plan on doing a fundraiser anyway yeah well what if we work together and if you just have people come and learn about how cool clean energy is if they own a home we'll give 25 dollars to your organization and they can all come together it's a zoom like, here's a way to book a time. Show up. We'll send you a Venmo at the end of the week or some Bitcoin or whatever you want. Like, yeah, we'll, yeah, like, yeah, let yeah. Us, like, let us know how to how to do that for you just for showing up. And then all these people show up and they're like, wow, clean energy is a lot cooler than I thought. I hadn't thought about it like that before. I didn't realize we were just setting things on fire or splitting the nucleus of an atom to make steam. That's a crazy process. Yeah. I could have yeah. my own power plant on my house. Like, that the sun, just like it's just like crazy what's going on right now. And we saw it was crazy. And we knew that jumping into the craziness of business wasn't ever going to spread the message that we needed the help of all the good people. So that was a really good idea that we came up with. It works. People, we have like 20 schools in Florida right now waiting to work with us whenever we spin it back up. But what we've been working on for the last seven years now, and we're almost there, we're already, we're so close. Like people love this. People love showing up to learn about clean energy. 
Mm -hmm. there's another $25 donation. If they do like a private session where we're building their personal design, it's all on Zoom so they can hang yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, you know there's no hiding it we record it they can have it like yeah just, yeah it's, it's just fun to show people like oh you have a house this is what it would cost this is why it would cost that much here's how much these things cost this is how much we get paid we show people what we earn we're like mm -hmm. here's what we use to keep you like for and it's just it's fun 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 but what we've been working on is project management so you have people that say yes because they want mm -hmm. it then what do you do well, nobody, no church or school or nonprofit's going to trust you if you're like getting all these people in the door and then it's a terrible party once they're in the door, right? Right, and, right. And, it, and it, because it's a new industry, because there aren't people who figured out across the board yet that the best way to build a great business is by telling the truth and great service, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, and radical transparency and being there to serve. People haven't gotten that yet. People still think, you know, how do I get as much as I can for me by doing as little as I can is the game. And so, yeah, we, yeah. And so when you're dealing with those tribes of people, it's challenging to have a conversation about why don't we do this together, right? Because they're all doing their own little thing to preserve their own little piece of some pie that it's actually just costing people more money for no reason because there's people that aren't competent and don't know what the heck they're talking about representing something that's really important and thank god for all those people everybody that goes solar in every possible way is a blessing so that's one thing we do is help people go solar we help people install bitcoin miners as heaters if they wanted to do that which has been kind yeah. of fun um you know uh but fundraising for nonprofits, teaching people about clean energy creating free designs with them in this really cool transparent way giving two donations to organizations they care about and just so grateful to work with people as intelligent as I'm fortunate enough to work with who figured all these things out. We just had an idea at the beginning. And since yeah. then, there have been so many people who tried to help and we either were too close to receive it or we um, didn't have something in place yet that kept it from coming, but we just have really good stuff going on. So while we don't, we're giving away money to good folks who have people who trust them, they're willing to learn about how cool clean energy is. And then we're hooking up their supporters with like <laughs> some really rad deals because we don't have to charge very much if it's so easy to meet people, right? Yeah, so that, yeah, lowers yeah. Up, that lowers the prices. Yeah, that's cool. It's good. <laughs> I hope some of the, you know, put feelers out to a few farmers that I knew. I think I told you that, but it seems it makes sense. Like I, it makes sense because I've worked at enough farms to see that just the energy is being sucked up. Yeah, it's big time, big time. It's a big part of the cost of growing, you know. Like it's oh not yeah, a, not an insignificant cost. And one of the biggest things when these banks finally start to get on board, and we get some clarity on the laws, and there can actually be real money put into the system. I mean, if I were a grower, I wouldn't want to invest a huge thing in solar if I if I knew it was going to make sense over the course. It was going to make sense immediately for energy security purposes. So mm -hmm. I don't lose a freezer, you know, full of harvest, but long-term it's going to make sense financially if long-term might not happen because some law might change and my huge investment comes and gets confiscated. Oh you know? yeah. That's, that's really it. That's, I think everybody is trying so hard to comply and trying so hard to make a good farm and trying so hard not to lose all the money and trying so hard to figure oh it's just like it's an extra special business 
Oh boy, there's so <laughs> many rules, so many rules. So speaking of potheads, <laughs> there's this website called veryimportantpotheads.com and <laughs> Silverstein is on here. As well as writing many popular children's books, Shel Silverstein gave us some of the most comedic popular songs in recent history. He wrote A Boy Named Sue, performed by Johnny Cash, uh, Put Another Log on the Fire, uh, The Unicorn, that was recorded by the Irish Rovers in 1968. He also wrote most of the music for Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show, which most people know is Dr. Hook. Most people know the cover of The Rolling Stone. He wrote that. He was nominated for an Oscar for his music for the film Postcards from the Edge. Yes, I had no idea he did all that. KMUD DJ Long John says he helped inspire Silverstein's poem, The Great Smoke Off. He recounts that Silverstein came to a party in the early 1970s in Dry Creek, California, near Middletown, where a beautiful blonde Scorpio woman was expertly rolling joints. Got to be a contest, said Long John, with he, Shell, and others smoking the joints as fast as they were rolled. I kept prodding her for more. It was the equivalent of today's beer me. <laughs> and then he wrote a pot-inspired song called I Got Stoned and I Missed It, which I just went and looked at a minute ago and it's very much the earlier version of and then i got high that song from whatever early 2000s um but the most amazing thing silverstein wrote on the topic is the perfect high thanks to jeremy dow author of weed the people for introducing very important potheads to this wonderful poem with his excellent rendition. So we might have to look that up too. So, yeah, dude. yeah. So, okay. So the great smoke off is the one that we were just talking about. And this is one of the ones that Lester recommended. And so we're going to have him read it <laughs> and oh, wow. cool. I'm going to have you get right up close to the mic and just do your thing. All right, Take a moment if you up. want. Have a yeah, sip of water. No, I'll get some water, but let me pack this bowl real quick. And take it. Oh, sure, sure. First, I'm going to talk for a minute about the Giving Tree, which I have mis mixed feelings about because every little family has a copy of the Giving Tree, and it's like, oh, this is a mother and her child, or a father and his son, and the tree loves giving everything to the sun and loves playing with the sun and the, the sun becomes a man and grows old and takes everything from the tree to build his house and to leave in the boat that he made from the tree and I used to be like oh that's so sweet but now it seems kind of brutal <laughs> it's like whoa you took everything from the tree you didn't leave anything so I, I, I vacillate on the giving tree. It's like, he, he, well, he, he's at the end, he's sitting on the stump of the tree and the tree is happy. All he's left is his stump, but he can still, the old man needs a stump to sit on and he's got it. And it makes him happy that he can still give to the boy. I guess it is sweet, but there's a sweetness to it slash cannibalism a little bit. <laughs> just a, just a smidge of cannibalism or boundaries issues just a smidge <laughs> but it's sweet so there's that one all right so you ready well i can either read it totally down for or we okay. can play this video of like this really awesome sounding lady reading it what would you prefer you know i don't know if this is shell himself reading it or it's an old black lady but either way it's way cooler than i would ever sound reading it 
Let's see if this works. Hey, so we did find the clip, and it's actually about seven minutes long. I think we should just play the whole thing. So Lester's not going to do a reading version. We're just going to play this whole thing because I think it's so neat, so well done, and we'll be back right after. Now in the laid-back California town of sunny San Rafael lived a girl named Pearly Sweetcake. You probably knew her well. She was stoned 15 of her 18 years, and her story was widely told that she could smoke them faster than anyone could roll. Well, her legend finally reached New York, that Grove Street walk-up flat, where dwelt the Calistoga kid, a beatnik from the past. He'd been rolling dope since time began. Now he took a culture toke and said, Jim, I can roll them faster than any chick can smoke. So a note gets sent to San Rafael for the championship of the world. The kid demands a smoke-off. Well, bring him on, says Pearl. I grind his fingers off his hands. He'll roll until he drops. Says Callisto, I'll smoke that chick till she blows up pups. So they rent out Yankee Stadium, and the word is quickly spread. Come one, come all who walk or crawl. Tickets just two lids ahead. And from every town and hamlet, over land and sea they speed. The world's greatest dopers with the world's greatest weed. Hashishers from Morocco, hemp smokers from Peru, and the shashniks from Bagun, who smoke the deadly Pugaru, and those who call it light of life, and those that call it See the dealers and their ladies wearing turquoise lace and leather. See the narcos and the closet smokers puffing all together. From the teenies who smoke legal to the ones who've done some time to the old man who smoked reefer back before it was crime. And the grand old house that Ruth built is filled with the smokes and cries of 50,000 screaming heads all stoned out of their minds. And they play the national anthem and the crowd lets out a roar as the spotlight hits the kid and Pearl ready for their smoking war. At a table piled up high with grass as high as a mountain peak just tops and buds of the rarest flowers, not one stem branch or seed. I mean, a Maui, Wowie, a Panama red, Acapulco gold, teeth from East Afghanistan, and that rare Alaska cold. And there's sticks from Thailand, games from the island, and Bangkok's blooming best, and some of that wet imported shit that capsized off Key West. There's Oaxacan tops, and Kenya bang, and Riviera floors, and that rare Manhattan silver that grew down the New York sewers, and there's bubbling ice cold lemonade, and sweet grapes by the bunches, and there's Hershey bars, and Oreos, in case anybody gets the munches, and the Calistoga kitty smiles, and Pearly, she just grins, and the drums roll low, and the crowd yells, go, 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 and the world's first smoke-off begins. 
Well, the kid, he flicks his fingers once. Zap that first joint roll. Pearl takes one toke with her famous lungs and whoosh, that roach is cold. Then the kid, he rolls his super bomb that would paralyze a moose. And Pearl takes one mighty hit and... Bombs defused, and then he rolls three in just ten seconds, and she smokes him up in nine. And everybody sits back and says, hey, this just might take some time. See the blur of flying fingers? See the red coal burning bright? As the night turns into morning, and the morning fades to night, and the autumn turns to summer, and a whole damn year is gone, and the two still sit on that roach-filled stage, smoking and rolling. With trembling hands, he rolls his jays with fingers blue and stiff. She coughs <laughs> and stares with bloodshot gaze and puffs through blister lips. And as she reaches out her hand for another stick of gold, the kid, he gasps, Damn it, bitch, there's nothing left to roll. Nothing left to roll, screams Pearl. Is there some twisted joke? I didn't come here to f*** around. Man, I come here to smoke. And she reaches across the table and grabs his bony sleeves and crumbles his body between her hands like dried and brittle leaves, flicking out his teeth and bones like, like useless stems and seeds. And then she rolls him in a zigzag and lights him like a roach. And the fastest man with the fastest hands goes up in a puff of smoke. In the laid-back California town of sunny San Rafael lives a girl named Pearly Sweetcake. You probably know her well. She'd been stoned 21 of her 24 years, and her story is still widely told how she still can smoke them faster than any dude can roll. While off in New York City, on a street that has no name, there's the hands of the Calistoga kid in the Viper Hall of Fame. And underneath his fingers, there's a little golden scroll that says, Beware of being the roller when there's nothing left to roll. Wow, I hope y'all enjoyed that as much as I did. Welcome back. We're jumping right back into a regularly scheduled chat do you have a way to look at the perfect high because we perfect. could read this together we could do a back and forth very cool <laughs> it'll be just great i'm looking at it now like oh you're looking one... at it but i need to smoke the rest of this joint hold on one second i've never seen this before so this is the first time i'll have ever heard it while performing it fantastic <laughs> yeah so this is what i'm doing with my time <laughs> quite a lot of this all right i'll read like the first half of the first paragraph and you jump in and then you read like a half paragraph and point back when the feeling hits you <laughs> i can't see you i can't see you while i'm reading i'll pause i'll pause and it, i think you'll i think you'll get a sense of it you'll have to yeah. trust me you'll get a sense of it okay uh, okay this okay. is this is the perfect high by shell silverstein there once was a boy named Gimme Some Roy. He was nothing like me or you. 
because laying back and getting high was all he cared to do. As a kid, he sat in the cellar sniffing airplane glue, and then he smoked bananas, which was then the thing to do. He tried aspirin and Coca-Cola, breathed helium on the sly, and his life was just one endless search to find that perfect high. But grass just made him want to lay back and eat chocolate chip pizza all night. And the great things he wrote while he was stoned looked like shit in the morning light. <laughs> and speed just made him rap all day. Reds just laid him back. And cocaine rose was sweet to his nose, but the price nearly broke his back. He tried he PCP and THC, but they didn't quite do the trick. And poppers nearly blew his heart. And mushrooms made him sick. Acid made him see the light, but he couldn't remember it long. And hashish was just a little too weak. And smack was a lot too strong. And quaaludes made him stumble. And booze just made him cry till he heard of a cat named Baba Fats, who knew of the perfect high. Now, Baba Fats was a hermit cat who lived up in Nepal, high on a craggy mountaintop, up a sheer and icy wall. But hell, says Roy, I'm a healthy boy, and I'll crawl or climb or fly. But I'll find that guru who'll give me the clue as to what's the perfect high. So out and off goes, give me some, Roy to the land that knows no time, up a trail no man could conquer, to a cliff no man could climb. For 14 years, he tries that cliff, then back down again he slides, then sits and cries and climbs again, pursuing the perfect high. He's grinding his teeth, he's coughing blood, he's aching and shaking and weak, as starving and sore and bleeding and tore, he reaches the mountain peak and his eyes blink red like a snow blind wolf and he snarls the snarl of a rat and there in perfect repose and wearing no clothes sits the godlike Baba Fats. What's happening, Fats, says Roy with joy. I've come to state my biz. I hear you're hip to the perfect trip. Please tell me what it is. For you can see, says Roy to he, that I'm about to die. So for my last ride, Fats, how can I achieve the perfect high? <laughs> well, dog my cat, says Baba Fats. Here's one more burnout soul who's looking for some alchemist to turn his trip to gold. But you won't find it in no dealer's stash or on no druggist shelf. Son, if you would seek the perfect high, find it in yourself. Why, you jive motherfuckers, screamed Gimme Some Roy. I've climbed through rain and sleet. I've lost three fingers off my hands and four toes off my feet. I've braved the lair of the polar bear and tasted the maggot's kiss. Now you tell me the high is in myself. What kind of shit is this? My ears, for they froze off, says Roy had heard all kind of crap, but I didn't climb for 14 years to listen to that sophomore rap. And I didn't crawl up here to hear that the high is on the natch. 
So you tell me where the real stuff is or I'll kill your guru ass. <laughs> okay, okay, says Baba Fat. You're forcing it out of me. There is a land beyond the sun that's known as Zaboli, a wretched land of stone and sand where snakes and buzzards scream. And in the devil's garden blooms the mystic Zuzu tree. And every 10 years, it blooms one flower as white as the Key West sky. And he who eats the Zuzu flower will know the perfect high. For the rush comes on like a tidal wave and it hits like the blazing sun. And the high, it lasts a lifetime. And the down don't ever come. But the Zaboli land is ruled by a giant who stands 12 cubits high with eyes of red and his hundred heads. He waits for the passersby and you must slay the red eyed giant and swim the river of slime where the mucus beast, they wait to feast on those who journey by. And if you survive the giant and the beast and swim that slimy sea, there's a blood drinking witch who sharpens her teeth as she guards that Zuzu tree. To hell with your witches and giants, laughs Roy. To hell with the beasts of the sea. As long as the Zuzu flower blooms, some hope still blooms for me. <laughs> and with tears of joy in his snow blind eye, Roy hands the guru a five. Then back down the icy mountain he crawls, pursuing that perfect high. Well, that is it, said Baba Fat, sitting back down on his stone facing another thousand years of talking to god alone it seems lord says fats it's always the same old men or bright-eyed youth it's always easier to sell them some shit than it is to give them the truth <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh it's so good fabulous I I love it. It's now on my list of my favorite poems. Fun experience. <laughs> oh, goodness. We all know somebody like Gimme Some Roy. Probably been Gimme Some Roy at some points in our lives, thinking we need the next thing. This was a great reason to look back on him. So much diversity in his art, in his uh, attitudes and everything. Yeah, maybe he was our Leonardo da Vinci, but he just you know, decide to fuck around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Give me your immediate response to the perfect high. Because both of us, right? Neither one of us have ever seen this before, right? Yeah. Immediate fan response. Yeah. I was, I mean, what I'm appreciating now is the loop, right? I'm appreciating that the truth is that it lies within you. That is valid. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes, but, yes. And it shows that the addict's delusion and the thinking there has to be something else will go on beyond the point of nearly being fucking dead until they accept the truth you know, yeah there's a, there's a spiritual message in there and it's about oh yeah for sure believing that so that, that's my short couple sentence take on it i could ramble forever i love stuff like that yeah i love when a message when a heavy message is delivered in a whimsical way me too. I love that. I read the whole time. I thought it was great. It ended up being partly made up, but I didn't really care because um, it was a crazy book for an addict to read. It's kind of like a million little pieces or something. It was like an open oh, book. Oh, I remember book. when that came out. Dude got like busted for lying about it, but the books were good. You know, they're still like, it was reminded me of like some um, 
like as I lay dying type stuff, you know, some like, oh my gosh, but like more accessible. Than- I feel like I had to read as I lay dying in college, maybe, and write yeah. a paper on it. And it was like, it was an assignment to be depressed. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. It was like, uh, I want you to be depressed for 20 pages. You know, while you're doing that, write this paper on as I lay dying. Cause that's great. Faulkner's a real bright spot. He, that's kind of fun. He, he and get to have the fun conversation. kind of bang up fun we're having here in, in the junior year of college. Okay. Thank you so much, Lester. That was so fun. fun. Thanks Thank for you. suggesting Shel Silverstein. Is there anything else you want the Reads and Weeds listeners to know? All the loudness. Everybody that smokes weed knows it's just crazy. Like all this political loudness. A lot of it comes just because there's not enough energy to go around to be able to allow us to connect and create things. And there's plenty of it falling out of the sky for free. So one of the best reasons to go solar is because maybe in a couple of decades, your friends will fucking breathe a little bit and be able to smoke some weed with you. <laughs> who have been uh. so busy for so long trying to make sure the lights don't go out and they can keep gas in their car so they can get wherever they need to, you know? It's a crazy world we created. So let's create a world where it's easier to get stoned together and not worry about if shit's going to fall apart. Oh, thanks for <laughs> tying that together. Absolutely. Because yeah. we don't want to grow a beautiful plant while wrecking the whole balance of the earth. 100% for that. Thanks so much. And thanks so much for listening. And it's great to be back. Bye. Thank you.